microphone check. Check, check, check. This is the Super Coin Brothers Podcast. Hosted by the Super Coin Brothers at Sahara Coins in Las Vegas. What's up, guys? Super Coin Brothers is back, as promised, about a year ago. Uh, but we decided to actually do it. So, uh, yeah, like he says, and the guy you just heard, that is Thomas Wall. He's one of the newer Super Coin Brothers. I say newer. Uh, he's newer to the podcast, not necessarily newer to the store. Um, so if you come in, uh, don't cut him the slack of being the new guy anymore. Anyways, Thomas, what's going on, man? I am doing great. Uh, happy to be on the Coin Brothers podcast here and excited to talk about a couple of really awesome things. Yeah, this one uh, this one is interesting. I know we were kind of talking about, um, you and I were talking about the podcast before and how we used to do a lot of hordes and how people seem to enjoy them. So, well, what do you do when people enjoy hordes? You talk about hordes. Exactly, exactly. And one more exactly, just to make sure that they understand. It's always good government issue. Everything comes in triplicate. It's true. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today is going to be the hackney horde, hackney horde, hackney horde. I'll stop that right now. Um, so we're going to talk about the Hackney Horde. Um, this one's interesting. Most of the hordes we've discussed have been uh, about U.S. coins, U.S. hordes. This is also about U.S. coins, but not a U.S. horde. Um, yeah, man. So let me ask you real quick before we dive into the whole Hackney Horde thing. Um, as far as like coin hordes are concerned, what I mean, how familiar are you with them? I'm I'm, I'm familiar with some of the biggest ones, like the GSA Horde that everybody knows about with the the Morgan Dollars and the Carson Cities. Like those are pretty darn impressive. But what other ones are you want to talk or bring up? Well, like I, I mentioned to you earlier, the Redfield Horde. Yeah. Kind of a crazy old guy in Reno that threw coins down like his, his laundry chute and <laughs> stored them in the basement. It was a trip. Um, but yeah, this is this is not at all similar, actually. I was going to say kind of similar. It really isn't. Um, this one was found uh, in the London borough of Hackney in 2007. Well, part of it, as you'll see as we, we kind of dig through this. Um yeah, there's, there's, you know, some interesting things with this hoard. Uh, with it being in London, you would imagine we're going to talk about, you know, pounds or euros or... or Doctor Who. Or Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course that reference is going to come out. Oh, by the way, in case you were wondering, folks, I am bringing a whole new level of nerd to the Coin Brothers podcast. That's that's very true. <laughs> uh, but we did turn his pocket protector to on for yeah, this one, so yeah. he's good. Uh, <laughs> I told that. I took that reference from him, by the way. You're ridiculous. Um, yeah, guys. So, so this horde, uh, most hordes we talk about consist of thousands of coins, um, and that's what that's what makes them a horde. Um, but when we're talking about a horde that was found in the UK, this one consisted of 80 coins, but they were U.S. coins, which is why this this makes it so spectacular. Um, these were all twenty dollar double eagles. They were uh, from dates 1854 to 1913, and again, all of them uh, were twenty dollar double eagles. Which, those of you that aren't familiar, a twenty dollars Saint or Liberty, they're you know they're they're just shy of an ounce of gold, um, but they're highly collectible. Um, it's one of those where you know D- Thomas can attest. I mean, we see them here in the store pretty frequently, but that's based on the fact that we're in the U.S. Now, finding some over there, oh, and they don't stay in the store for very long. One of those comes along in nice condition, we put it up, it's gone. Right? No, that's definitely the case. Um, these ones were found interesting, though. I know you were look 
looking a, a little bit into how they were found. Yeah, they were buried, and I thought it was kind of fun because uh, they were buried in what they called grease-free paper, and I knew it right away. That's that's the baking paper, so I knew if I wanted to say a fat kid had buried it, but I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah, that part we don't know. Yeah, I won't speculate on that size, but I will say that my inner fat kid said a baker buried it, so obviously they knew what they were doing. Uh, and the, it's the grease-free paper is what helped it last this long in good condition because it didn't do anything tarnish-wise or acid-wise or anything like that. So these were perfectly preserved coins in a glass jar buried underground, which, again, who buries coins? But the family... This is the crazy part. The family had World War II or yeah, World War II issues going on. Do you remember what was that family's name? Uh, that would have been the Soulsbachers, is how I'm going to pronounce it here. Let's go ahead and spell it for you guys. It's S U L B A C H E R. He forgot the Z. S U L Z. Oh yeah, the Z. That's, I was adding a, a Z in there, but making it silent as in the spelling. Is yeah, silent. and again, forgive any of us for mispronunciations along the way, because if that's not how you say it, then we just we. We goofed. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, this family, uh, I mean, and this is, again, suspected to be buried by them in 1940, but that's because the Sulzbacher family, after doing a little bit of research, uh, we find out that they were a German family who were also Jewish. Uh, and coming up in that Nazi German era, like, that's not a great time to be in that family. Uh, and so they, they wound up taking their stuff out of the bank because the people were not safe in the banks. Their stuff wasn't safe if the bank got taken over, the bank got cracked. So they took their stuff home and buried it essentially under the mattress in the backyard, I guess. Now this supposedly was in a garden area. Like oh. the guy said, let's go put it in the garden. Well, you do want your financial wealth to grow so if you bury your investment money it should grow, right? That's true. That's true. And I guess in this case they were like, you know if, if they're going to crack open the banks to take our stuff, let's put them under the carrots and nobody goes for the carrots. Nobody goes. No. That's, that's pretty much the way that rolls. No, I think it's a really tremendous the guy had this foresight to do this. It's unfortunate there are other cities that kind of led as an example, but uh, he made the hard call, did the right thing, and put it away, and then... Who, now, the catch there, though, is that he... It wasn't Mr... So, the main owner originally was was Martin Solzbacher, right? That was the father of the family. Um, he was actually interned. So, they, they had taken him. Um, he was interned as an enemy alien refugee, um, and he was sent to Canada on the... Arendora Star, which was a ship they were sending to Canada, and on the way there, it was torpedoed. Oh so, gosh. yeah, he's but, sent off and gets torpedoed in a ship. Now, he makes it through that, though, right? He did make it. He, he spent uh, spent some time in the water, hanging out a bit, floating around, Yeah. Uh, and then he was rescued, um, but after that, he was then sent to Australia on another ship. Now, can I ask you something real quick? Sure. About this whole ship problem? <laughs> I know things are different uh, now than they were then, as far ships are concerned because people get on carnival cruises all the time with no concern for torpedoes. Yeah. But after you were torpedoed and floated around in the water for a while and then you were saved and then you're put on another ship. How no. do you think that ride goes? No, I, I can't imagine that one going very comfortably. The uh, anxiety levels would be at a maximum pucker factor. That That is 100% yeah. the truth. Um, so, <laughs> so he ended up on that ship to Australia uh, and in 1941 he was sent to the Isle of Man and that is where he was eventually uh, released so he was released, although his family was still in the original uh, Hackney property. They had stayed there uh, for most of the time. Now, there were a few kids there, right? Right, the kids th and the wife. See, this is the kind of crazy part. Uh, so the kids and 
all knew where dad had buried the stuff. And so that was... There was five family members that knew. Five family members, and right. that's it. And yeah, then, well, the, the brother is the one who buried it, right? So it was his brother had buried it, told five family members, and then one of his nosy friends asked him, hey, uh, why don't you tell me where all of that stuff's buried exactly? Yeah. Uh, he then told him, look, man, there's five other people that know where this is. I have no reason to tell you where it's buried. That's because secrets are for blood and blood only. Yeah, it's the truth. <laughs> well, yeah. That's yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, but it's good that he actually told the friend that they even existed. Yes. Uh, they ended up facing uh, another tra- tragedy in the family. Uh, basically, the house on September 24th um, in 1940, uh, the house was hit directly on a blitz, and all five oh. of the family members were this is, killed. This is the blitz. This is yeah, the, the blitz. blitz. This is this the is, one. I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like. That that nightmare happening there, and then unfortunately this family getting wiped out, and you think just the worst of this situation, but there's a surviving family member after all of that nightmare, and then it's uh, this Mr. Salzbacher guy, but he now what happened to him because he didn't just so he was released in Isle of Man. Now he while all of this happened, he was not there. He was away. He was in Isle of Man. Um, he returned back later, uh, and he went to the safety deposit box where. The coins were originally stored, right? Because as far as he was concerned, they were still there. Um, and when he arrived at the safety, safety deposit box, it was empty. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was empty. Um, and then the lo and behold, nosy family friend. Guess what? He remembered. Hey, uh, by the way, your brother buried all your stuff in the garden. Uh, I don't know exactly where, but that's what they said. So that kind of brought light to him and, and gave him some hope that he might be able to, uh, you know, find his stuff. So right after the London Blitz, then about 1952, they started work on uh, building up that area again. I mean, recovery wasn't quick, right? But it, they finally get to rebuilding. And uh, and that's when they found the first chunk of this of this hoard, uh, the Hackney Hoard here. And now, that, this is, though, after he ordered a search of that garden area. Oh, really? And they came up empty-handed. <laughs> so that so, means it was buried really, really well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe the Cairns weren't the places buried. But, yeah, they had searched it and didn't didn't find anything. And then, like you said, it, later on, they, they started rebuilding. And, uh, well, guess what? So they popped a, uh, popped out a jar full of, what was it, 82 coins? Mm-hmm. And they're all $20 gold pieces all the way back to 1890. But they're packed perfectly in that glass jar with the baking paper. Now, this is not the hoard we're actually discussing, though. Do what now? That first find was basically like, hey, we found this. We don't know what's going on here. This is, it just is what it is, right? So they find it, and they go to the coroner with it. Now, oh. I, those of you, I'm sure this yeah. is this is people a, are thinking dead people right now. Like you're having a sixth sense moment thinking about did he say coroner? Right. Well, it turns out in London, the coroner gets two jobs: not only the dead people, which you would expect, but also treasure finds. So, I don't know if this was back from their Mayberry days, where you had one person wearing six hats or something like that. But it worked out really well because the the coroner that did the job was really efficient. You know, they figured out who belonged to, they got the property back to where it was supposed to go and like that's for I mean come on you find a jar of 80 coins and everybody keeps their nose clean I'm very impressed now in in that case I mean the corner thing kind of has me hung up a bit 
It, it kind of makes... Okay, this is a terrible reference. Oh, God. But let's be real. Having the coroner take care of, you know, the, the dead folks and treasure is like Carl's Jr. taking care of Green Burrito. It's It just doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> but, but someone's got to do it. You know what I mean? I guess. We're back to those references again. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so the coroner uh, took care of that. They actually found uh, Martin Solzbacher, the original owner, um, and returned those 82 coins to him. Because if they hadn't have found an owner or been able to locate that there was still an owner uh, around, those coins wouldn't have belonged to anybody. They would have belonged to the crown. The crown would have just stepped in and said, oh, no one no one can identify who it belongs to. I'll just have that. Thing. Exactly. So that would have been in 52. Now, in 2007, that was when the jar that we're talking about was found. Oh, okay, okay. So and now this would be where they then there would have been two jars. This is a second jar. Of 80 coins, not the original 82. Correct. So, so now we're talking 162 coins this guy had. Goodness gracious. Could you imagine just having 162 of these gold coins? I would feel much better about buying a house if I had 162 of these. Well, let's talk about value on that. I mean, yeah. realistically, 162 of these, even with uh, the market where it's at today... And we're assuming a generic condition. You don't have any superheroes in there. Right. We're talking about just plain old, plain whatever, right? 162 of them at today's price. You're looking over $200,000 worth of coins. Now, we're talking about coins, though, with with the date range that these fall in, there very well could have been very, very, very rare coins in there. Now, so is you there could a have superhero one of those uh, $20 St. Godin's pieces that you would say is the, the end-all, be-all of what you're looking for? Well, here's the thing. Based on the year that these were, there would have been libs in there as well. Mm-hmm. So let's just hypothetically say there was an 1850 O in there. An AU is worth, you know, 20 grand today. Oh my so gosh. these can be, I mean, these can be big, big coins that we in, in these jars. We, we have no idea on that. They didn't really uh, dig deep into what there was. There's probably a reason for that. <laughs> Low privacy uh, is important. <laughs> exactly. Days. Now, the original owner, Martin, he had passed in 1981. So with this secondary part of the hoard being found in 2007, who do they go to? Back to the coroner to find out who do they go to. Exactly. You go back to Green Burrito to get a burger. You know, you go looking for it. So in this case, they went back to the coroner, um, and guess what? If Mr. Solzbacher was the rightful owner, then they would have been his, but he wasn't there. And again, if it becomes that it's unknown who the owner or the heirs are, it goes to the crown. But luckily... There was an owner. An heir. Yeah, an heir. This is why everything gets better in London. You get royalty and heirs. It's true, but if there is no heir, then the royalty takes the treasure. Well, that's the perk of being the ultimate royalty. Exactly. the ultimate heir. So if you're the heir... I inherit your stuff. It's almost like a I drink your milkshake moment. Yeah, see, we're back to... Yeah, we're back to burritos again. Okay, so... So yeah, but there, so there was the the treasure uh, the Treasury Act basically there in 1996, um, and it does specify that in in order I'm going to go ahead and read it to you guys. In order for an object to be classified as treasure, its original owner or heirs are to be unknown, uh, and then in which case the property uh, would become property of the crown, and that's for it to be considered treasure. But since they did find an heir, it was not considered treasure, and it, it was basically considered his property. 
Yeah, so they went out of their way and uh, they found him, uh, and they got it back to him pretty quickly. I think it all was resolved in 2007 when they found it, right? Yeah, as far as as far as I could find, it looks like it was resolved right then in that in that year. Um, and they all kind of the coroner partnered with a couple of the museums there in London, um, and they did find his son Max, who lived abroad. Which I'm assuming abroad, it could have been here, it could have been somewhere else, but it, yeah, he didn't live there in Hackney or in London. Um, he was the rightful owner. Now, the funny thing about that is, you know, let's let's be real. If I called you today and I said, hey, guess what? I found your, you know, your great, great, great grandpa's coins in the dirt. You know, what do you want to do with them? <laughs> My guess is you're going to be like, yo, let me get them coins. I'm going to grade them. I'm going to sell them. I'm going to do this. Not Max. Max what? decides he's going to do other things with them. Max is a little nicer than that. Uh, I guess he wasn't too concerned about the fiscal impact of finding those coins. He was more concerned with the historical impact of finding those coins because his family, I mean, this is one of those stories that you just have to tell it because these people survived nightmares and craziness and they had, at the end of it, there was treasure at the end of their nightmare, but what do you do with something like that? You can't just sell it for 1400 bucks and say that was worth it. No, this guy donates it to the, to the museum there in London uh, and they created a whole display for it. You can actually Google search it pretty easily Easily, and you'll get a nice picture of the display case from the Hackney Horde. And the, it's one of the, the England's top treasures that they have there. And it's kind of fun that it's American coins and over in London. And it doesn't matter where you are in this world. We're kind of all connected to it. Yeah, yeah. No, really. And, and to see that they found that many, you know, U.S. coins over there is, is crazy. I mean, there's other hordes. There's a Viking horde that they found in the last 10 years out there. They found some really cool stuff. But for them to find that many uh, U.S. coins in that condition is it's absolutely amazing. So see I'm just shocked as to how quick they got that stuff taken care of. You found something in 2007, you identified the lost family member in 2007 and legally you had this guy get hold of the coins and then turn it around and donate it to the museum for contributions to history. Like all of that happening in the same year means they got either the fastest legal system ever or just a super efficient way to get the information for your coins. Now, the closest thing folks listening to this podcast podcast you're going to be able to do is come on down here to Sahara Coins, because if they find the drawer of Grandma's house and they have no idea what's in it, boom, you bring it to us, we'll give you an idea of what it is, show you how to find out what it is for, for your information, we'll try and take you to class on it. And we'll get it done very quickly in a similar fashion. Uh, the other thing, you know, I, I, I can't help but think, like, if they can get this type of thing done, how fast do you think you can renew your driver's license there? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they probably just click a button on their phone. Now. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, hey, it's all done. You <laughs> well, know, no big deal. There's maybe even a pip pip and a cheerio in there, too. There you go. Man, that was, yeah, that was a tough one there. All right, so guys, this, I'm telling you, we've we've got a lot of cool stuff lined up, a lot of cool hordes that we're looking into. Um, and again, I know we haven't been on in a very long time, uh, but those of you that are listening and that are still around and go, wait a minute, what? Did I just get a notification that they're back? Yeah. The answer is yes. So if you see anything cool, you see some hordes, you see something you're interested in uh just let us know i did actually get a request and i'm sure you're listening steve thank you um for a podcast on lincoln varieties so that's something that we may be uh we may be tackling soon that'll be a that'll be an in-depth one there we may actually turn that into a youtube video just because i feel like visuals are needed when it comes to the the lincoln varieties but maybe we'll do both so uh, with that make sure you look at our youtube um it's just sahara coins is the channel we're going to be adding some more stuff there lots of content 
content here, there, everywhere. Um, and like I said, any requests, just shoot them to us at service at saharacoins.net. And again, this is Raymond and Thomas. We're here hanging out, uh, just getting back on the road for you guys. So again, thank you for listening, and we will be back soon. Good hunting.